The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money, managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of John E. Sistina and Company are on deck to show you the way. Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett, and joining me today are certified financial planner, Spencer Hager, and our founder, John E. Sestina and Company. Hey, John, you look well. Thank you. As usual. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing better than I deserve. Well, that's it's great to have you in here. It's always good to have you in our conversations. We learned so much from you, so I'm glad to be sitting here with you well, today. Thank you very much. Spencer, you doing all right? I'm fantastic. Nice to have you in the office. Yeah, fantastic. Ready to get into it? Oh, I can't wait. Okay, so my first question is, do you guys exercise regularly? <laughs> we'll take that as John's response. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> I exercise every day. Should I get Bobby in here to answer the question? Uh, she can answer just the same as I do. Yeah. So you feel like it's relevant and important, right? Uh, only since I was 12 years old. Yeah. So do you do it for fun or do you do it because it's a have to? Exercise is not fun. Yeah. Uh, all the exercise I've ever done over the years has been uh, disciplinary, you know, and especially <laughs> when I was doing my Bondo Kung Fu, all that stuff, uh, that was rugged. Physical. Very, Very physical. physical. You have Navy SEALs teaching every now and then, and that's really physical. And for for people who don't know what Bondo is, it's a martial art. It's a martial yeah. art out of Burma. Most people never heard of it. Very rare. But it's a pure military art. It's You'll never see it on TV or in a movie or whatever like that. Knocking down trees. I did. I had I had to learn how to kick down trees with my shins in the woods. My teacher would take me there and he'd point to a tree and he said, kick it down. I couldn't leave till I did, even though I bled. Unreal. If it sounds made up, it's because it might be. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Spencer, you think you could do Mondo? I don't know. I don't know if I could kick down a tree if, you know. I if... think I've been mad enough to do Mondo. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Does that qualify? Yeah. Well, we're we're going to be talking a little bit about how exercise, mental and physical health uh, and well-being sort of works in tandem with your financial planning. And it seems like an odd conversation to have. Some of it's logical, uh, but today's topic kind of had me talking to anybody that would listen here over the last few days. And I found that it's one that you can go down the rabbit hole pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, people tend to get a little bit uh, triggered and emotional about it, which is interesting because nobody likes to really exercise. I don't think um, some do, I guess some, some people enjoy the process, uh, but definitely emotional because it's linked to your health and your health is linked to everything, right? So it's a ripple effect. So we're going to get into today's topic, how investing in your personal health plays into your financial blueprint. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys are very experienced in all of this uh, with our clients every day, having these conversations. So let's start with the intersection of health and wealth. And we'll, I want to talk about the um, sort of interconnectedness um, of physical health and financial 
health, you know, how do personal choices impact financial outcomes and vice versa. Uh, so talking about the link between these, I personally have noticed that it's often underestimated. Uh, when you talk to somebody, they, they don't associate the two. So Spencer, do you think that health and wealth are seen as separate domains entirely? I guess not. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, if you're listening to this and also feel like it's a weird combination, I'm definitely on that route with you. But I guess the way I would compare it is uh, finances are definitely stressful, overwhelming, a lot going on. We never get into, you know, even a third of it in these podcasts. So I would generally say usually you work out, you feel good. Maybe you're waking up earlier to to do it. So um, with all that stress that comes with it, hopefully taking care of yourself on a personal health basis also gets you in a better mind frame to be able to tackle all of those financial pieces, not get overwhelmed, not get too stressed. Um, I would say that's, uh, in my mind, how they kind of intersect quite that's, a bit. That's where it's kind of logical, right? Yeah. John, can you share a personal experience or kind of a realization where taking care of your health can positively impact someone's financial situation? The, so, my health can impact them or their? <laughs> your health can impact others? No, if it, we want to talk about, we want to, we want people to understand how taking care of themselves can positively impact their finances. Well, it begins to add some important structure to your life. I mean, most people go through life, they wake up and go through their day by alarm clocks or whatever. But when you take time to exercise, what you're doing is putting a routine and your body thrives on routines. So if you put a regular routine in there, your body reacts, even if you don't know it, uh, emotionally, it likes that. And so we know that... Uh, People talk all the time about, uh, what's that uh, thing, the hormone that kicks in? Cortisol? Cortisol. No, I don't talk. Adrenaline? Adrenaline. Thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. And that kicks in and gives you more energy and helps you out. So it's very important. Yeah, I guess I'll say on a more practical level, I guess another basic way it ties in because it definitely does. I mean, we talk a lot about insurances. Um, taking care of yourself on a health level can definitely impact things like that. Not just health insurance. That's kind of a basic one, but life insurance, disability insurance. If you're going out getting that on your own, they do make you go through medical underwriting and stuff like that. Usually the more healthy you are, the better the rates are, the more it helps your pocketbook. The I don't want to say worse your health is, but things that can be improved, maybe more of those items they identify, things like that, that you maybe can control. You may still be able to get coverage, but they're going to ding you on the premiums. And both in tandem, I mean, you can, like I said, you can get down the rabbit hole on this one. You can start talking about circadian rhythms and, <laughs> uh, you know, mental well-being and, and how the disciplines like John's talking about, the discipline of doing something physical and getting your blood, your blood flow working and feeding your brain, how all that works. And then the, the very practical side of it, the utilitarian side of it is what you're talking about, yeah. I assume, right? Um, Spencer, how can people better understand that intersection between overall life satisfaction and financial success. I mean, how do you sell it? How do you get somebody to understand how important this is? Uh, well, I mean, to me, I feel like money talks. So again, I would really try and stress that the more complicated your life gets, I guess, outside of just the stress piece and feeling better because you're working out and are doing whatever and that makes you feel more equipped to handle finances. Like, I don't really think that's much of a selling point. So I would just try and stress that it does impact a lot when it comes to need. If you you know have a family, you probably need life insurance. 
your health is going to affect that. Like I said, disability insurance, if it gets to a certain point, sometimes they won't even sell you insurance because they think it's deemed, you know, such a risk. So that's probably my main piece is just, I guess, the if you don't take care of yourself and your health really declines, it not only makes things more expensive, sometimes it closes the door completely. So that's more on the health affecting or the yeah health affecting the finances, I guess on the other piece, the more you get ahead of your finances, probably the more you can equip yourself to give yourself a little bit of a break, right? The sooner you get ahead of things with your finances, you equip yourself for retirement, right? Hopefully you can take the vacation, right? You're not constantly burning it on both ends. So maybe that's how I would pitch it on the opposite, getting ahead of things on your finances, taking control can help you out on the health mm-hmm. front. And priorita- prioritizing mental wellness is kind of gaining a lot of recognition right now in today's <laughs> landscape. And there's John's there's, favorite topic. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's so many stressors. Um, but but John, how can mental well-being contribute to better financial decision making and long-term financial stability? And you know, overall. Well, of course, you want to make the best decisions you can for yourself. And science shows us that if you're in shape and your circulation is better, your mind is clearer, and so on and so forth you will make better decisions. And so that's an immediate result of exercise. Now, people don't all recognize that. There are many people who don't exercise at all, and they don't even know. But if you notice someone who is um, doesn't exercise much, you will see them deteriorate over the years. So I'm 81, still hanging in there. <laughs> and uh, many people my age can't walk and so on and so forth because they've done nothing. So it's very, very important that you keep the juices flowing. Mm-hmm. Body's meant to be used. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to sit in a chair as I did for 50 years and uh, just get fat. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look a day over 80. <laughs> well, and, you know, I have an experience where I, I took a fall down the stairs a decade ago, and it's taken me that long to, I mean, they, they didn't think I would even live through it, let alone be able to exercise again. And I pushed myself and am to the point now where I have to modify my moves, but I can still do it. And my motivation is um, I don't want to sit. I don't want to not be productive, not be able to uh, be with my family and keep up with my family and, and stay youthful. So that was my personal motivation for, for pushing. So I guess, you know, you're kind of talking about a discipline here. And financial planning is a discipline as well. So they work hand in hand and there is a ripple effect. You know, your yeah. your mindset can say, um, I don't want to do this. That's the most important word and most hated word in the English language, discipline. Nobody likes discipline. Working out, it requires discipline. Financial affairs, discipline. Marriage, discipline. Kids, discipline. Just go right down the line and everything requires discipline. So how are you going to have discipline if you've never exercised it? When do you know you're exercising discipline? So you need to be testing yourself. When you go into the service, they take you and used to anyway, strip you down in the sense of a person and take you down to nothing and then rebuild you as a person. So that's how important it is teach someone some discipline outside of what they're used to. Our our greatest enemy in our lives is apathy. We just, we always go for what's easier. You know, if uh, the candy's right near as you're walking in the store, you buy a piece of candy or you go to a movie, watch, you buy the popcorn and the soda, whatever it is. And so we do, we always go for the easy things. 
-hmm. And in all aspects of our lives, it's not the easy things that get you along. Right. That's really uh, so logical. But, you know, there are so many people that sit on the couch with a bowl of popcorn watching fitness videos, (laughs) wanting to get in. You know, you see it everywhere. It's all over social media, all over the Internet. And there are opportunities to do better, to be better, and there's resources. So it does require a person to to make the decision to do it and then be consistent. Yeah. And are that's you telling me watching those videos doesn't help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some wild stuff out there, believe me. So the connection between fitness and financial goals is pretty intriguing on that level when you when you kind of drill down to the psychological aspect of it, because what we do every day is discipline. We, we teach discipline. So, John, let's talk about um, the importance of being organized and proactive with your financial data and your living expenses. I mean, that's a discipline, right? And that does impact your mindset, I would assume, if you're not doing those things. Again, it's a basic. You know, most things in life that help you be successful are basic things. So even in our financial planning process, process we set up a system to where you deal with the basics and organize them and become familiar with them. Then as you have that, you can make decisions because you have all the facts about them. Well, the same thing is true in your life. If you go, we're talking about exercise again, exercise, you have a routine or a discipline, maybe a trainer, something like that. That all helps you form your discipline, keeps you from being too edgy. Also, it's a, I've, I've observed in all my hundred thousand years that it's a, being part of a team in a sport is really, really valuable. A lot of people that I've met over the years were never on a team. So as never having participated in a team, they lose things like how to deal with others, how to deal with rejection, how to deal with someone being superior to them. There's a lot how to learn from a coach and so forth. So that's part of sports as well. Get on a team, some team so that you're learning some of these things. All this helps. And it, I would assume tying all those loose ends makes you feel a greater sense of control, right? I mean, uh, with that control comes a mental calm, right? A peace of mind, we like to call it, you know, when you have your ducks in a row. Um, the, I mean, we're not doctors, but imagine the impact, Spencer, on somebody's health without all these practices in place. Have you, you know, kind of seen examples of this where you've had to um, offer up strategies or tips to um, help somebody get through that kind of a situation? Are you talking about on the financial side of things? On the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, again, there's a lot of things going on with people, right? I don't begrudge anyone who has, you know, several kids and, you know, working 60 hours a week and trying to fit everything in. And on top of that, deal with, you know, financial planners, you know, pestering you, trying to get you on track, even though they're just, just trying to help you get across the finish line. So, yeah, I mean, I always say anything you can do to help automate the process. Like I said, I, I'm not a big spread. I can do spreadsheets, but it's not my top choice. So I always try and talk to people when it comes to tracking expenses, trying to use any source that helps you at least get a, you know, a start, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's, uh, you know, your credit cards, you know, using the online tracking tools they have, using something else like Rocket Money or Mint, you know, you name it, those can help uh, get us start. So I've definitely sat down with people who just get overwhelmed. And, you know, if we have an hour of time together and they can't get that going, then we're going to take the hour of time to do it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't be there every second of the day, but, you know, once you get going, it becomes less overwhelming. And it's when you said the whole doctor piece, like, I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Why do people not go to the doctor? 
sometimes they don't want to deal with it and people don't like doctors. The other piece is you don't want to get the test to see what's going on. Right. So it's kind of the same thing on the financial front. I can understand procrastination. Yeah. I can understand why someone doesn't want to go sit down with the finance planner. I don't think that's a good decision most of the time, but at the same time, I can understand why you're like, I don't want someone to tell me I have to track the expenses. I don't want someone to tell me I have to save more. I don't want someone to tell me I have to cut back. You know, I, I get it. But at the same time, like we all know, the longer you kick the can, the more stressful it becomes. <laughs> John, have you seen in the course of your experience over time, have you seen one resource that works really, really well consistently with people getting them on track as far as the first step to uh, organizing themselves financially? I think becoming aware of who you are financially is probably the most important thing one has to learn. And so that's why we emphasize gathering data. So we want to see the original data, and then we want to organize. We have a system to do that. And so the client is also knowledgeable about how to access that data. And as they become more familiar with that, you will see their comfort level change, even in meetings with you. So as they discover stuff. How many Starbucks they're having in a week? Or are you talking uh, about more? Overarching. Real data, real data, mm-hmm. their insurance policies, their deeds to their homes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, the title to their cars, uh, the house, all that stuff. So I'm not I'm not talking about budgeting yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talking about just discovering who you are. It's like getting on the scale and finding out you're overweight. Mm-hmm. You have to get on the scale and figure that out. Baseline. Baseline. Yeah, got it. So balancing self-care and financial responsibilities really go hand in hand. They're very similar. They right. have to have very similar practices and very, very similar mindsets is what the takeaway I'm getting from you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, how can, you know, let's talk about how people can navigate the, this kind of delicate ecosystem you know, between human mind and, and, and need financial need. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into some specifics, um, overarching tips we might be able to give other people to find the balance, both physical and and financial. I mean, we've talked about getting disciplined. We've talked about getting organized. Um, what else would you offer up beyond that? You want me to go first? Yeah, go uh, I mean, I, I guess I would tie back to the I don't want to say it sounds like a cop out to go work with a financial planner, but if you feel like you're someone who you don't really understand finances and you're just, you know, shooting in the dark, then, you know, if it doesn't mean sitting down with the financial planner, finding some free resources, because often what I find is people are doing their best with their limited time, trying to fit in everything. And they ultimately end up just making, yeah, you know, somewhat good decisions, somewhat bad decisions, because they just don't really know what's going on. It kind of, to your point, John, then with the easy solution, mm-hmm. and, then, and then it takes five years down the line, sitting down with someone to find out what they're working with, right? All I know is I needed life insurance. So they just got a life insurance policy. They didn't really shop it around. They don't know what kind of life insurance, but they got it, right? So that's great, but maybe you could have done it better. Um, how Again, like how much you need to save does tie back to how much you're spending. I hate budgets. Um some of the other planners in our office like it a little bit more than I do. I despise them. Um, unless you have to cut back, then you know, you know, then don't cut back. As long as you can hit the other savings marks, the proof is in the pudding. So that's just what I always say. I think it starts with goals. I think the worst enemy is maybe obviously it's horrible to not be organized. I would say it's also horrible to just set arbitrary goals that you don't really know how you landed on that mark and just keep telling yourself forever that I, you know. 
I want a million dollars in savings and that's going to get me there. And you don't really have any clue. You know, I want a million dollars in life insurance. That should be enough, but you have no rationale why. I think that's equally as bad as just not getting started sometimes. So that's, that's my two cents. When you have people set goals, are you talking about time goals? So year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, or you, you get more specific? Yeah. I mean, each person's different. Like I always tell people, you know, there's multiple layers when it comes to financial planning. Some people it's, you know, just getting set up for a solid retirement is a you know, a huge battle that takes years. It's finding ways to curb out expenses to then save more because if you don't save more, it looks bad. Some people I start with financial planning, retirement's kind of an afterthought. They've saved a ton of money. Everything looks fantastic. And we're on to the, the more, I would say not more complex, but other items, right? College savings, you know, the estate planning's really nuanced, the insurances. So for each person, it's different. Each person li- listening to this has a different short-term and medium-term goal. So it just depends on where you're at. Mm-hmm. That's why some people need a planner. Yeah. You know, take a go back, tie it into the exercise. In recent years, personal trainers have become a big deal. Almost everyone has a personal trainer. Now, why? Well, <clears throat> from the time I was a young man, I knew about pressing a dumbbell, a barbell over my head. <laughs> I didn't need a trainer to tell me to do that. But I did hire a trainer. And there was, there was little finesse things. There were, there were little techniques that were there that made it more productive. I still pressed the bar over my head, but I'd learned some little techniques that he taught me. Same is true of financial planning. <clears throat> As you get it together, talk to someone like Spencer, then you will feel better about who you are. He'll give you a little nudge so that you move in the right direction. And it won't be as painful as you fear. And prioritizing self-care, whether it's physical, mental, or financial, can often be seen as a luxury. You're talking about personal training. You're talking about hiring an advisor. Uh, how do you convey to others that it's that it's an essential component of long-term well-being and not just an indulgence? And at what point do people self-assess to say, okay, it's time. It's time to pull the trigger. Again, uh, it depends on where you're at and just can you get across the finish line yourself? Uh, I know we've said it on a million podcasts, financial planning oftentimes is not rocket science. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we find a million different things that people don't know about. But I've definitely worked with people where they just couldn't get there themselves with reading the books, uh, looking at free resources, right? It was still too much. And I've worked with people for you know a year, two years. And then ultimately, I've been the one to say like, hey, You've got the foundation in place and now it's time to you know, kind of go out on your own because we've we've set the foundation and, and you just need to use the money elsewhere to hit those kind of basic goals. And nothing wrong with that. Again, if you're someone who's past that and like I said, retirement's good, you kind of don't know what you don't know. And so I always just convey that it's at least probably worth interviewing around because you can look it up on a million different free resources. You can find a ton of articles of people who did just fine. They saved a ton of money. They're probably going to be just fine in retirement, but they waited until their late fifties to start actually looking around and trying to find out more. Like I said, I'm sure they'll be fine, but um, <laughs> they missed a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. and you can easily point to all the dollars that could have been saved, things that mm-hmm. could have been better. So that's, that's, I can attest to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not pulling the trigger early enough. Uh, before I did was was a great loss. Um, so yeah. Oh, what do you say, John? Well, that you what you said was correct. I okay. agree, except for the fact that there are some people <clears throat> you'd be surprised who think that in retirement, <clears throat> excuse me, they don't need a financial planner. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that's far more important than when you were accumulating money. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a lot of folks who are retired. They have a lot of money and some don't have a lot of money. I, I think of uh, one of the clients who was had had very little of an investment plan when he came to me. And after many years, we had a little more money than he had, but he then retired and was able to live on that until he passed away. So, And that was because it had to be manipulated, had to be managed. That's why we say managing the bill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great points. So <clears throat> kind of juking a little bit here, and, and we, we, have, we actually have on deck a whole show about the subject, so I don't want to get too far into the weeds on the topic, but let's talk about the approach to take with uh, loved ones, you know, maybe mom's blood work came back and it's showing that she's on the on the cusp of uh, diabetes and she's her lifestyle is such that it needs to be changed. Do you have um, any sort of strategies that you would use to explain that financial ripple effect to a person who is in that scenario? Ah, uh, that's a tough one to be honest. I I still get very uncomfortable uncomfortable with that because uh, I you know finances are very personal. Health is very personal. So trying to, I don't think finances are usually what uh, would get people across. I don't think telling people about how much their health insurance, other insurances are going to jump up because your health is starting mm-hmm. to slide. So the only thing I would tell people with that question is if you're the person who you know your family is starting to have some decline, uh, whether it be health or financial, and you have a feeling that you're going to have to step in and assist in some way, uh, just to plan ahead. Again, it usually it's not something you can negotiate. It's not like you can step in and try and point out 10 strategies to avoid having to do it. It's more, this is happening. Try and get ahead of it as much as you can on what it's going to cost and plan for it. And that kind of goes back to what you need to be saving, where it needs to be going to be able to to do your best to help out in those situations. Some outs, this is another place for outside experts. We use ex, outside experts all the time. Yeah. And when you get into that position, there are more reasons than just money that you bring in someone to assist the family through a pro, pro program. So someone gets cancer. What kind of cancer is it? What's the prognosis? Are we looking at a two, three year program or is this a lifetime situation? Look at the, how long the president Carter lived. To be, uh, it's a hundred years old, isn't he? Yeah, he's ninety nine. Yeah. Ninety nine. Still going. Still going. Well, kissing her. He Kissing-er just died just at a hundred. Yeah. I hope I don't live that long. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, you have to know your family's overall situation. What's the lifeline of the family? Uh, my wife Bobby's father lived till he was ninety five, healthy as as anybody. He had a grip that could crush your hand at mm-hmm. ninety five. And yet he died at 95 because he wanted to. Now that's amazing, but it's true. And some people are like that. Some people, you will notice that many, many couples have been together for long periods of time. One dies and within two years, the next one dies. So there's, there's a, you've got to prepare around that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you may need to be talking to the family about here's where we are. Here's what mom and dad have been doing all their lives. Here's how we feel about gifts. Here's how we feel about other charities. Here's how we feel about the things that we have and who gets them. Because the worst thing in the world is at a death, the family begins to fight over what's there. And I've seen so that. I think the, the, the sort of overarching starting point is to 
know the person that you're talking to well enough to know what approach you can take. And as you see issues coming up, maybe sort of start a dialogue about the history, the family history of health issues, maybe, um, and talk about how that is going to affect health insurance, right? If, you know, if you end up with diabetes, your premiums are going to go up. There's going to be all kinds of ramifications to not taking care of yourself. Um, so it's a delicate conversation to have to have, but sometimes it's necessary to have it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, I take it as a reminder. I've said it before. I think financial planning is all about, you know, for I always say it comes back to flexibility. So to me, it's just a reminder that life comes at you fast and things can pop up out of nowhere. And uh, the more better equipped you are, the longer you've been getting things in place and your plan in order, the better you're going to be able to respond. And again, tying it back to the stress and mental well-being and everything else, uh, I would like to think that if a, a horrible Horrible news on the health front came down the pipeline, whether it's yourself or family members, the more the finances are tucked away, squared away, you can take the time to worry about those more important things. And you know, nothing's worse than having that. And then also realizing that none of your ducks are in order mm-hmm. when it comes to finances. Right. right. So to take away is to make sure your, fin- your, your financial success and well-being works like a fine machine. Uh, in order to do that, you have to get organized, keep your mind and body strong, active, uh, seek the help of professionals where you need it for the stuff that's out of your lane. Uh, we we va- we value bringing relevant and useful topics to you like this to expand our uh, our viewers' financial literacy. We like talking about these issues with people, as you can see, and it's it's a universe. There's a lot to be covered. Uh, if you think you'd like to sit down with one of our certified financial planners and learn learn more about what you can do better. Um, please give us a call or schedule a complimentary consultation with one of us. We're happy to help. Uh, We appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for being here, guys. Uh, We are managing to be wealthy. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to schedule a one hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns. Visit our website, managing to be wealthy.com.